0: Hey guys, we're back with another Girlmates show, the relationships podcast for people in a relationship with TV. We are going to be talking about Aziz Ansari's Netflix special, stand-up special, and also the two-part documentary on HBO called I Love You, Now Die. And surprisingly enough, there is a tie-in that we will hopefully used to seamlessly move from one to the other. (laughs) (laughs) I'm on the edge of my seat. (laughs) So if that didn't hook you, I don't know what will. But for starters, we are going to discuss our top three favorite documentaries um, that were made by streaming services or TV, etc., we're ninety one point five percent sure we haven't discussed this yet. <laughs> <laughs> um so, Jordan, what is your number three? Okay, my number three I'm going to go with um going clear. Mm-hmm. Um it's an HBO documentary about Scientology and um it's just really fascinating, and I feel like I'm still thinking about things from it a lot, in all the relation time. to other subjects, or anytime Scientology comes up, I just want everyone to see this documentary. It's extremely fascinating. And from the get-go, the history of Scientology is really wild. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like pretty theatrical, mm-hmm. and dramatic. And I just think it's really, really good. And it's kind of like a good gateway documentary, too. Yeah. Because it's a subject that a lot of people kind of know about. Mm-hmm. But it dives really deep, and it's really, really fascinating. It is. Um, you showed me this documentary. I did? Yeah, you did. That would have been early in our friendship, too. Yeah, it was. Um, and it is one of my bonuses, because... Yeah, same. I think about it all the time and it is really good and keeps your attention, which I think is a very important aspect of a documentary. Yeah. And there are even documentaries that are about really interesting subjects that get boring. Yes. So. The one that I'm thinking of is like The Inventor. It did get boring. too. Yeah. It's just, I feel obviously it's easier said than done to make a really compelling, the whole way through documentary. Mm-hmm. But, so it's, uh, we should praise the ones that keep you hooked. (laughs) Yes. My number three I chose was Hero Dreams of Sushi because it's on Netflix and um, I think this was one of my first like Netflix experiences kind of watching this and like one of my first like documentary watching experiences as well. And, um, also my first, um, deep dive into, like, a uh, Japanese culture that made me fascinated and want to go there. And, um, yeah, it's just about Hiro learning the art of sushi, and it's been a long time since I watched it, but I just think about it still, but clearly not enough to remember All the details. (laughs) Yeah, it came out in 2011, so it's been a while. That's the thing about documentaries is that I think they're worth a rewatch. Especially now that you've been to Japan. Exactly, I should go back and rewatch it. That's a good one because I feel like there aren't a lot of documentaries that are like that either. It's very unique. Mm -hmm. And it's refreshing. Even though I love true crime docs, it's refreshing to watch one that has nothing to do with true crime. Yeah, It's just, like, about making sushi. (laughs) Yeah, it's very soothing. Okay, my number two is the Netflix documentary, 13th. Wow, that's my number two, too. Well... (laughs) It's extremely good. Uh, Clearly, it's good that it made both of our top threes. Um, Ava DuVernay did the documentary, Mm -hmm. and it's about the 13th Amendment, which um, abolished slavery, and all about kind of like basically the history of being a black person in America and what that means, what that meant back when the 13th Amendment was passed and ratified and just kind of through history, what it kind of the black experience being an American citizen, because it talks about the war on drugs, how that was racially motivated and um, how currently how many um, adult black men are still in prison for marijuana possession and Mm. how, like, just, and I don't want to quote any of the statistics and get them wrong, but it's really, really eye-opening and really crazy. Yeah, and I'm, I watched it a long time ago, and I'm still, like, recommending and telling people to watch it, I feel like. Totally. Well, and I think especially with, um, When They See Us coming out this year, um, it's like a really interesting pair, yes. Of films, mm-hmm. yeah. Both made by Ava, yeah. So it's, I really recommend it. Um, that one because I watched it when it was nominated for the Oscar mm-hmm. a couple years ago, and, um, I was sad it didn't win. Yeah, it was extremely good. Who did it lose to? Do you know? That was the OJ. Simpson. Documentary. Oh. Like the eight-part series, I think. Yeah. Which I also heard was really good. I actually haven't watched uh seen that one. Yeah, I haven't either. But I was OJ'd out. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's, I'm sure it was great, but I was feeling that way too, because I just watched Ryan Murphy's American Crime Story on OJ Simpson, and so yeah. I was like, really, I get can we move on? Yeah. <laughs> well, since you covered my number two, I'm gonna skip and I'm gonna say my number one. And I will be um zero percent surprised if we have the same number one. Um and I don't think we've talked about this on the podcast yet, but maybe we have. But I, I don't just think we can't have. not give it all the credit. The jinx on HBO. Is that your number one? It's my number one. It's and Robert I- Durst. And it is just the most insane insane documentary series of all time it it is like as shocking and a wild twisty ride as anything that's fictional Mm -hmm. well and most documentaries don't um give you any sort of closure or satisfaction like you usually just feel frustrated or like Especially with true crime, it's like, well, what happened? Who killed this person? Blah, blah, blah. And with this one, you really get some heavy satisfaction in the end. and Like jaw-dropping. Yeah, and it's just like nothing else. And there's nothing I love more than watching the end of The Jinx with people for the first time. It's probably one of my favorite hobbies. I think it. it's probably number one... And number two, like, it's as thrilling as when you get to watch um, that one Mad Men episode with someone who's never seen it. Oh, yeah. Um, Guy Walks Into an Advertising Agency. That's the one. Yep. It's, It's just thrilling. And honestly, it's been out for a while. And so even if you have heard, like, kind of that clincher at the end, it's still worth watching. It's an amazing documentary. And it's... Robert Durst is just, like, one of the top five creepiest, worst, and also weirdest, like, people ever. And so you've got to familiarize yourself with him. Like, it's just so bizarre. Yeah, it's worth it. And then you can fully appreciate Kate McKinnon's impression of him on SNL after you watch it. It was worth it just for that, but also for everything else. Yeah. (laughs) Did you have... Any bonuses? Yes, I did. Um, one that I wanted to talk about was, um, and give credit to, was Evil Genius. Oh, yeah. On Netflix. Um, that one was also really twisty and crazy. And I feel like it doesn't make it my top three because I feel like it doesn't, it wasn't um, as satisfying as it went on. Mm-hmm. I feel like there are a lot of documentaries that maybe be like four parts that could easily be two parts. mm mm-hmm. Um, and it was another one that started out really wild and then it kind of just was, like, depressing at the end. But yeah. did you ever watch that one? No, I never did. It's, um, it's really good, though. And it actually, I it is one that I do think about a lot because the way that it ended is, I think, the perfect summary. Like, with the judge's final verdict mm-hmm. after everything that happened. Because the judge put it in a way that I think relates to so many, like, just so many crimes um that are still happening right now where you can't really blame like it's very sad if um a criminal has like a horrible childhood and deals with a lot of mental illness, but there are so many people that have those mental illnesses and horrible childhoods and upbringings that don't commit those crimes. And so putting it that way, I think about that a lot. And yeah. I thought that was really interesting. But that's a good one. That is also has like a shocking it starts out really, like, really grabs you at the beginning, and it's a pretty wild ride throughout it. Well, I'll have to watch it. Yeah. And That was a Netflix one. Yeah. Going along with my um, early Netflix intro to documentaries, I would, um, I feel like I can't not mention Blackfish, which is funny because, Jordan, you've never seen Blackfish, right? I've never seen it. I feel like... I may as well have, and I'm scared to watch it because of all the animal cruelty Mm -hmm. footage. Mm -hmm. But I am anti Sea World. (laughs) I've I've bought into every message of it, but yeah, I haven't actually watched it. I'm nervous. I feel like you. I don't think it shows that much like animal cruelty as, um, like actual footage of it. Yeah. Okay. Well, that is reassuring because I was kind of under the impression that it did. Yeah. No. I don't think so. It's been a long time since I watched it. But I went through a series of forcing every single person in my life to watch it, and I think I watched it probably at least ten times. Wow. It was a a phenomenon. And... So, yeah. I just have to give props to them. They did a really good job of um, publicizing and... It was just, like, a movement, and, but ironically, SeaWorld is still a thing. Well, I really am shocked every time I see someone still going to SeaWorld. Yeah, it's weird. Very weird. It's, it is really strange. And I mean, I feel like they still, like, their PR is still in the toilet. Yeah. That, I mean, that's the effect of that one documentary, like, it really is weird when someone goes to SeaWorld. Yeah. Uh, do you have any other bonuses? I was just going to ask you if you ever watched the Amanda Knox documentary. Oh, I did watch that one. Um, I remember being more excited about it than I wasn't that excited about it after I watched it. Hmm. Okay. But it was really informative because that wasn't a case that I had followed that closely when it was actually going on. No, I felt like I was a little too young to follow it closely, so I liked watching it and having it laid out easily for totally me. um and then lastly um jordan and i watched a documentary called tickled together yeah we've gotta at least mention tickled <laughs> <laughs> because it's the craziest documentary ever and i wouldn't say it's my top three because i'm still a little scarred from it yeah <laughs> like i feel like sometimes i feel like we have like seen it all <laughs> Like, can yeah. we be shocked anymore? But yeah. actually, no, we, we, can. we can. We were shocked by Midsummer. Yes. The new movie. Mm-hmm. And Tickled shocked us a lot. <laughs> and that was a while ago, and I still feel uh, the effects of how shocking. <laughs> but anytime I think about it, I do get a good laugh. Yeah, I would say that if you, like, really, really, like, if you're just kind of drawn to, like, weird stuff...
1: I think think like true crime,
0: yeah, totally. I wouldn't. I would definitely not recommend that to everyone. But if you're even intrigued to know like what we're talking about and how creepy it is, and Chrissy Teigen talked about it, yeah, she did. So it's on HBO. Yeah, it's on HBO. It's there for you, and it's really, really wild. Yes, it is. All right, let's talk about TV (laughs) news. One thing I have is that How to Get Away with Murder is um, closing up shop, and I'm proud of them. It's time. I really, really respect that. Yeah, me too. Six seasons, that's a good amount. Yeah, that's a great- that is a long show. And they already lost my viewership a season or two ago, so. Oh, Really? I mean, maybe I'd go finish it once it's finished and all available to yeah. stream. But, yeah. But that makes me excited to see what Viola Davis will do next. I'm even excited to see what Shonda Rhimes is going to do next. Well, she has that big deal with Netflix, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah, and I'm waiting to, to see hear what anything more means. about that. Because <laughs> I feel like that, I heard that. And that was a little bit ago. Yeah. I wonder what that means for the future of Grey's Anatomy. I hope it means it's over. And I feel like we talk about this every week, so I won't go on that spiel again. <laughs> but. Um, one new show that I'm excited about is on HBO. It's called a Black Lady Sketch Show. Mm-hmm. And one of the executive producers is our girl Issa Rae. And there's this list of featured people in the episode, and it is a long list of amazing, amazing people Tia Mowry, Angela Bassett, Lena Waithe, um, Amber P. Riley from Glee, ooh, which is may come back later. Yvonne Orji from Insecure, and actually Natasha Rothwell from Insecure too, who's amazing. Um, Lil Rel Howery from Get Out, and Marseille Martin from Blackish and Little, which I never actually saw. Me neither. But I heard rave 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 reviews specifically about her um and laverne cox and kelly Rowland, and Yvette nicole uh brown and it's just like a an amazing group of people and so i'm really excited to to watch that show when does it air it airs august 2nd great yeah that i'm excited about that too um this is something i don't have all the details on it, but they did announce some more info on the Game of Thrones prequel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, they did say that, like... Because people have been wondering how far back will this prequel go, and it does... uh, It did come out that it would take thousands of years before the era of Game of Thrones that we know, but also the Stark family will be present, but that could be, like... The ancient Starks, like the first ones. Yeah. But there will be familiar character names, which is cool. That is cool. But, um, yeah, it says... And this is all coming from George R.R. R. Martin, which is interesting. Because <laughs> he's also still dropping, like, news about the last two books. Yeah. So it's just very... It's a little convoluted, but he says the White Walkers will still be there. And Dire Wolves will exist in the prequels, too. Mm. Which seems like... HBO's PR, trying to make up for the Dire Wolf controversies of the last season, maybe. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so that's interesting. They keep, like, dropping these little nuggets of information. Hmm. But that's all. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, um, moving on to Aziz Ansari's Netflix special. What's it titled? It's called Aziz on Sorry right now. Right now. As in right this second. Literally right now. Which makes sense because it was like I know that he it's all very like he wrote this out and stuff, but mm-hmm. it did have the vibes of like, here's literally what I'm thinking about right now. Yeah, it did. Um First of all, it was directed by Spike Jones. Which I had no idea. Yeah, he um he posted about that when he first announced it, I think. Um, but I hadn't. I had. I knew I knew who that was, but I couldn't remember how. And then I remember that it's because he made her, which is one of my favorite movies. Lol, I'm dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Lol. So it was. I loved the um that aspect of it. It was like um really beautiful, and mm-hmm. like as much as you could make a standup special beautiful, it was like filmed really cool yeah it was much more artful than most stand-up specials yes i was trying to figure out if it was made mostly in like all one like it was just one show there wasn't like any cuts oh yeah but i wasn't paying that close attention i wasn't either and even if they didn't do that it had the tone of that yes which is cool yeah like shows him walking in and then walking out and yeah it's really beautiful yeah also it's funny because like it literally is him, like, walking from the street outside into the theater. Mm-hmm. Like, he goes, he briefly it backstage, and then he's out on stage. hmm And so I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, did you like it? Yeah, I did like it. I don't, it's one. It's weird, because I wouldn't say that I was like, wow, I'm in love with this special. hmm But, and I did feel like I really liked the points he brought up, even if sometimes I was like, I have... I feel complicated in a complicated way about what you're saying, mm-hmm. but I really liked everything that he did bring up. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was still really funny, but it did bring up really serious stuff, mm-hmm. which I did like too. That mm-hmm. was another thing that set it apart from most comedy specials. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you feel about it? I really, really, really liked it. And I was surprised because I think I can get really easily annoyed by Aziz. And at the beginning, I was like, oh, no, I might be getting annoyed already. Yeah. But um, actually, that kind of just, like, went away. And um, I felt like everything he was talking about were things that um, we've either previously talked about on this podcast or, like, in person. Mm -hmm. And so... I felt it was really relatable and um he just said them th- these things more eloquently and more funny than I ever would. Um there definitely were things where I was like, "Oh, that's like an interesting thought." Um I wouldn't say I necessarily like disagreed with him really a lot, but I liked his perspective on things and um thought his um way of talking about things was different than most. I wouldn't say, again, I'm not a huge comedy person, so it's hard for me to, like, critique it. Um, I wouldn't say it was as, like, um, empowering as something like Nanette. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, I would definitely would say I think I like this better than Amy Schumer's. It's totally Aziz's Nanette. Yeah. Like, so far in his career. Yeah. Especially the note, like, he ends on a very cathartic, very personal note. Mm-hmm. And so you don't leave it being like, wow, this is hilarious. Ends. Yeah, so he bookends it really well. Um, one of the things that I really, really liked the way he was talking about things was when it's really easy for comedians, especially male comedians, to compare the jokes that you can make now versus the jokes you can make Five or ten years ago mm-hmm. and what I loved about his approach to it was that he compared it to his own jokes yep because he really does have a lot of things that are really cringy now specifically a ton of R. Kelly content and I really like that he brought it up and was like oh no like this is more stuff that could get out about me but it was just it was well, and like and if you bring it up yourself then you control the narrative exactly and um Then you don't have to worry about someone else bringing it up later. Yeah, exactly. And he does it in a way where I just think it's unique where it's, like, he is acknowledging how cringeworthy that is. Mm -hmm. Um, And he also brought – he really did bring up things that we've talked about and wonder why more people – like, it's just kind of like a um, phenomenon. I think specifically Michael Jackson. He talked about the Michael Jackson documentary on Mm -hmm. HBO – and he talks about how people are really willing to stop listening to R. Kelly mm-hmm. and things like that. But he, like then- he had people clap if they were done with R. Kelly, and then had people clap if they were done with Michael. And like way more people were clapping for R. Kelly than um, for Michael Jackson. And I just thought that that was so fascinating because I think it's true. Mm-hmm. It is true. I think that because people love. Michael Jackson's music so much, and no one's saying it's not great music. Mm -hmm. So obviously it's going to be harder to give something up that you love. Mm -hmm. But um, it's also a total phenomenon because everyone, while Michael was alive, would, like, reference and make jokes to the fact that he was... It's highly likely that he was a child molester. Yeah. Even while he was alive, but people just kind of, like, brushed it under the rug. Mm -hmm. And so even now... Uh, he's gone, and there's even more evidence about it. Mm-hmm. It's just so, it's just really interesting, yeah. Um, I really appreciated um, him talking about like cancel culture, that was like a big uh uh topic on like the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think we already kind of talked about last week, um, for the most part, but I Really liked his thoughts on it, especially since he has kind of been a part of it. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, to- I-, I agreed with him with that. Um, well, and I like that he wasn't even talking about cancel culture and, like, defending himself and why he should not be canceled. No. He was talking about it in a totally different way where he's just talking about people who are, like, so perfectly woke but they – that they aren't. Mm-hmm. And – Like, he was addressing it in mostly in terms of racism. Mm -hmm. And so I like that he wasn't... If he had gone about it trying to defend himself and his own experience, like, I was going to be cancelled because people are overreacting. Like, that was not his approach at all. And so I I thought that was pretty clever, how he was able to address these things that are very relevant to him, but not in a way that he's trying to make himself look better. Mm -hmm. It was really all, like, a commentary on just like the state of the world right now. Mhm. So I thought that was good because if he had gone in kind of like overly defensive of himself, then it would have rubbed me the wrong way. No. Yeah, and he um his like apology and explanation at the beginning about himself was actually very short and sweet and I thought it was perfect, mm-hmm. which I've already talked about that as well cuz I had already read all of that. Um but, yeah, with, like, the canceling, cancel culture, and um, he talks a lot about, uh, like, white people on Twitter, like, outwoking each other, and I really appreciated him, like, putting words to, like, my thoughts on that, because um, for a while now, I've thought that everyone on Twitter will just tweet things, and it's like, who can word their thoughts the best, and it's like I feel like pressure to, like, condemn everything, even though I'm not like famous. No one's asking me for a statement. <laughs> but like, it it feels like sometimes it feels like if you don't say anything, then um, people are gonna think that you don't are ignorant or like, you or like don't... that you support Trump or something. Yeah, and that's not true. And um, I've been thinking about that a lot because I have decided I don't super want to like, participate in politics via Twitter like that and um, for that reason, because it just kind of feels like a competition of who knows more and um, who's right, even when we're all on the same side. Like, Mm -hmm. not all. We're not all on the same side, but yeah, you get it. And clearly it's because I'm not one of the most eloquent people, so. (laughs) Definitely not true. (laughs) Well, it is interesting, too, because Twitter, it's like after the 2016 election, election when it's like you think everyone agrees with you because Twitter itself, and it's obviously not only about Twitter, but it, I think you're especially right about specifically Twitter because it's an echo chamber. Yeah. And so, of course, everyone's going to agree with you. Mm-hmm. Not that I want to condone necessarily going to straight to Facebook to like post everything, but it's more... It is more about like the conversations you maybe have in real life. Yeah. Yeah. And actually taking real life action like voting. Yeah, exactly. Like I know I know stuff. how I believe what I believe and why and I know what's important and it's not tweeting something. It's like voting about voting for things that you believe in and um, talking to the people around you about it too. We don't have to keep going on about <laughs> well, make this like a political commentary. But that was something that I was thinking about a lot while watching it. He he basically sums it up as it's like you're trying to earn woke points, but you're earning all those woke points from just a bunch of other white people. Exactly. So it was it was really interesting. Um one of the just one random thing, it there's this Ten-year-old kid sitting in the front row, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. And he addresses it, and it is pretty funny. Well, he um, he called out, like, three different people, and he would remember their names and, like, refer to them throughout the um, special. And I was actually just so impressed that he was able to remember people's names so well. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> My only uh, critique of it was that there were, like two or three parts where he was like whispering into the microphone and I felt like I couldn't really hear what he was saying so I'd like turn it up really loud but then he would like start yelling and so I was like could the people in the audience hear him like I had to like turn on captions I'm so glad you said that because one of my other notes is sometimes I can't hear him (laughs) it was weird (laughs) and it is like It's part of his performance, obviously, is that he's, like, trying to whisper, but it was... I had my TV up so loud. Louder than any other show. He can whisper a little louder. (laughs) Seriously. It's like, you still have a microphone. Yeah. Like, you can, like, speak softly and not actually be literally whispering. So that is... I'm actually really validated that you (laughs) said (laughs) that. That's funny. It was interesting when he talks about his girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I Instagram stalked her. Her Instagram's private. Oh, dang. But I looked, I her, looked up. her up on Google. Then. She's, like, a stunning supermodel. Yeah, who's, like, a physicist. Like, she's a genius. Yeah, like, she's gonna get her PhD. Like, she's literally a student. Yeah. So that was really funny that sh- his impression of her, like, European accent was really <laughs> funny. <laughs> um, One of the... Lastly, one of the things he kind of talks about are... Is how... um. Interesting, it is that people will be like, Hey, did you watch that documentary on um, Michael Jackson molesting all these children? Like, it's just like all these really dark, twisted, real life things that no one would really ever want to just like watch willingly. Also, that mm-hmm. like it took a documentary to um, make people aware of these things that have been out there forever and ever is just, like, really interesting, and, um, anyway, so he kind of just talks about, um, that, and so it was kind of a perfect way, it was the, um, tie-in that we didn't know we needed, um, to talk about the next show that we watched, which is also a traumatizing documentary, um, called I Love You, Now Die. We have never shied away from watching traumatizing documentaries as, quote-unquote, entertainment. So, no. We're here to tell you about this one. Yes. And I think it was really well done. So, backstory of I Love You Now Die is it's the recent case where there was a teenage boy who committed suicide. And then it came out that his girlfriend had texted him, like, encouraging him to go through with it. And um, so she was put on trial and it was pretty much an unheard case where she didn't physically harm him or kill him, but did her words constitute um, manslaughter. And so this follows not only that trial, but kind of the history of these two kids. Um, When it happened, I believe... The boy, Conrad, was 18 years old, and his girlfriend, Michelle, was 17. And they, um, it was happening in, like, the northeast, um, of the United States. hmm And, um, yeah, so it was really interesting because the first part, so it's two parts, they're both an hour, um, and the first one focused on, um... The victim, Conrad, and his uh, family and, like, his... Basically, his parents' perspective, I think. Yeah. Um, And so, that whole time, I was fully, like, Wow, she's... I can't believe this happened. Like, yes, this is, like, horrific. Like, mm-hmm. that is negligence. How could someone tell someone to continue to, like, succeed in killing themselves? Yeah. Pursue suicide and not tell any sort of adult or, um, police or anything. Yes. And then, and I was like, there's no way I will ever feel the other way or like be on her side and think she should be innocent. Mm -hmm. And then the second part of this documentary focused on her and her own mental illness and her own just kind of like life as a teenager. Yeah. Like her social, um, Anxiety, I guess. Very. She's just like a very intense teenager. Mm -hmm. And those kind of personalities just kind of like break my heart a little bit. Because like you can see how hard, how much they want to relate to people, but how hard it is for anyone to really relate to them. Mm -hmm. And um, the police took custody of both those cell phones. And so they had access to this like, their entire relationship over text. And because the kids lived an hour away, which is still not very far, but they actually only met in person five times, Mm -hmm. but would text constantly. The whole relationship... They met in person five times, and then the rest of their relationship was all over text and internet and just all virtual. Mm -hmm. And so they had thousands of texts to go through and just, like, kind of diving... So this part dove deeper into kind of the reality of their relationship and how they both were dealing with a lot of mental illness separately mm-hmm. and they kind of supported each other in an and then in a way that <laughs> most people wouldn't it was like they were really dark and um kind of um enabled each other in their mental illness I would say 100% like they leaned heavily on each other and it was very unhealthy yeah um I mentioned this to Taylor earlier today. It re- they reminded me a lot of the young couple in The Act. Mhm. How it's it's one of those complicated things where I feel like it's unfortunate that these are kind of the two people that found each other, mm-hmm. but also I don't think that someone who weren't wasn't dealing with similar issues would have been able would have stuck around anyway. Mhm. And so when they're both just so dark and so intense, like, they just fed off of each other. And they weren't nice to each other all the time, either. No. They would be, like, really mean and nasty to each other, but then be like, JK, I love you, lol. Yeah. It was it, it was weird. And, like, um, so, like, throughout the whole entire documentary, it's showing, like, text strings from them. Mm-hmm. And, well, I just couldn't stop thinking about if my texts from my high school boyfriend's <laughs> Like, were ever released. That would be the most traumatizing thing of my entire life. And she also had, she had a lot of, um she didn't really have a lot of friends, but she always was trying to, like, manipulate people to hang out with her and, like, be her friend type of thing. And people didn't really like her, but then they felt bad for her, so they would hang out with her. And so some of these girls were were um being questioned in court and um it was really sad and felt so uncomfortable to me because they had to like say that they thought she was weird and like didn't really want to hang out with her and she's sitting there right in the room and it just like really broke my heart it was oh my gosh it was so hard to watch and like everyone has been there where there's someone that you don't really want to spend time with Mm -hmm. and they're weird and there's just not a natural connection but like I feel like everyone's been there, and if I had to be pulled into a courtroom and have to, like, say all this in front of that person, like, that is just traumatizing for everybody. Well, and I, I mean, I guess I think so, but I think everyone's also been on the her side of, like, trying to make friends and, like, especially in high school. I, I wouldn't 100%. say now. But, like, um, um... No, but, yeah, saying you're into things that you're not just to, like, make friends with people or, like... Trying to, like, match their behavior to, like... Yeah. Fit in. Like, at one point she told someone she hadn't had sex or that she had, but she hadn't. I can't remember. But, like, um, just, like, stuff like that she used a lot. Well, and it was really... It was just so uncomfortable, like, the prosecuting attorneys, too... It was just, it was just very uncomfortable all the way around because they had a narrative they wanted to push to get her convicted. And so it just felt so weird watching adults, like, kind of further these, like, high school behaviors, too. Yeah. Like, trying to get the witnesses to confess certain things about how they felt about her. And it Mm -hmm. was just, like, and, like, the the news coverage on her was also really sad. They talked about that a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, like, watching some of the coverage was really hard and like really sad to me and it was interesting because um this is kind of random but like cardi b was just going on an instagram um rant about how um the media kept talking about like what she wore to court and like how um it was like a fashion show and she was like I was wearing clothes. Like, why are you even talking about what I was wearing to court? And she was so mad about it. And then I watched this, and uh, sure enough, they talk about what this high school girl is wearing to court. They were like, it was as if she knew she was going to be photographed. Yes. And like, yeah, she did know she was going to be photographed. And also, she's probably trying to look professional because she is like a teenager that is on trial for... um, homicide. Is that what it's called? Yeah. They referred to it as both homicide and manslaughter. So I think both are correct. Um, anyway, so it, that was just like sad and that wasn't even really something that they really talked about in the documentary, but was something I was thinking about. I guess they did talk about how, um, sad all of the coverage was. Yeah. Well, and of course they brought up that it's like, oh, she's like an attractive girl. So that means that she was doing all of this on purpose the whole time. And it's mm-hmm. like, so would you rather her be unattractive? than you would have talked about how shocking it was that she even had a boyfriend or something. Like, mm-hmm. it was just all of the misogyny that went into the coverage and the prosecution's arguments and stuff. Like, it was just, it was just gross. Yeah. And I was, also, one note that I have too is that both The defense and the prosecution, at the very end, when they're both reading, like, their final um, arguments Mm -hmm. and summaries, both sides just made me feel sad and gross. There was just no winner here. It was just a really sad situation, and there's, it's just, like, only wrong. Mm -hmm. It's just, like, lives ruined on all sides. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I watched it, and I still don't really know how I feel about it. Uh, I don't know what I would do if I were a judge. It's really sad. Yeah. And, like, what's her life going to be like after she gets out? That kind of reminds me of um, that Sundance documentary, Lorena. Mm-hmm. How it's, like, she was then known forever as the lady who chopped her boyfriend's penis off. And now this girl, Michelle, even though there's so much context to what actually happened, mm-hmm. like, well, even that, um when they're just kind of talking to like townspeople and that one guy's like, I wouldn't want to date her next. <laughs> I was like, that was disgusting. That was the worst. Like, hey, you're what like a, a six year old man. So she wouldn't want to date you. Yeah. So LOL. Good one. My first note is, wow, this is so sad. <laughs> yeah, it was. Funny, it really was a heartbreaker. Sad. Yeah, my one my one thing I wish that they could have and would have covered um, more was about her family life. Um, I think that was something I was really curious about, that they really didn't cover at all. And I know that they turned down being interviewed, which makes sense. But you would think they would have a little bit of information as to like what kind of home life she comes from. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure there will be made a movie of it someday. Yeah, I kept thinking that Cara Delevingne would oh, play yeah? her, but by then she'll be too old. Probably. Yeah. One final kind of random—well, it's not random, but it's just like not—it's very specific to this. Is that um, Glee plays like a re- a weirdly big part in kind of the psyche of the Michelle. girlfriend Michelle It's very fascinating especially if you have watched Glee. Yeah. It is it's just really fascinating and um Glee in itself there's so many weird things about Glee like it was just the anniversary of Cory Monteith's death which was so sad and then there's also just like kind of the weird um I don't even remember his the actor's name but the guy actor who played Puck, Puck yeah. and how he was going to go to jail and then he committed suicide like there's just like there's a lot of weirdness with Glee both mm-hmm. in real life and the show so it's just like it, it's a lot of intense like it always was a very melodramatic show well and it also talks about the Fault in Our Stars yes so it it's just like sad because it's just like this teen girl who is romanticized death, I think. A little yes. bit. Yes. And... Like that's the perfect way to put it. And I don't think she has... I don't think... I personally don't think she fully understood um, the intensity and seriousness of it all. I and completely it's really, agree with And it's really, really sad. Yes. Because as a teenager, she probably has never even had anyone in her life die. So, and then she sees these glee and the fall our stars and... Yeah, it's just very wild and really sad. But like we were saying earlier about documentaries in general, this one really did hold my attention the whole time. Yeah, they did a really, really good job. I thought it was really well done, and I didn't even really have that um, high of expectations. I didn't think it would be bad or anything. I just mm-hmm. was like, like, how much is there really to say about this? Mm-hmm. But it turns out a lot, and it was extremely compelling and really well done and very sad. Yeah. So, I would recommend it for sure. Definitely. Um, who is your crush this week? (laughs) You know, I'm gonna say, um, you know, I'm gonna go with Taylor Swift. (laughs) (laughs) Never a wrong answer. (laughs) Um, I watched the Amazon Prime Day concert special. And um, she just really can control a crowd and put on a show, even when it's a small, intimate thing that doesn't have a ton of theatrics. And um, it was just amazing watching, comparing her to like the opening acts. It was just very um, apparent that she is a performer and the best performer, I would say. One of the best. She's a pro. Yeah. She really, even if you don't like her, like, she is an extremely charismatic performer, and she, yeah, it's like you said, she can control the crowd. Yeah, and you know what? Thinking about that Amazon Prime Day concert special, um, Jane Lynch was the host. <gasps> what? <laughs> Glee is everywhere. Right, Glee right is now, everywhere. it's so weird. It's kind of haunting and weird. It is haunting. And I just feel like no one acknowledges it anymore because mm-hmm. there's so much, there's been so many weird controversies yeah. that aren't even in the show's control. Like, no. it's not the show's fault. Mm-hmm. It's just so weird. And I just feel like no one talks about it. <laughs> um, That's a fabulous answer. Thank you. My crush this week, so I've been revisiting Veronica Mars, kind of here and there, preparing for the new season. Um... And so I'm going with Max Greenfield. I was really hoping that you would say that. Well, I did. Kristen posted, like, a (laughs) little gif thing of a scene from Veronica Mars the other day with him in it. And I was like, I forgot that he's in that. And I love him. He's so cute in it, too, because, like, she meets him because he's he's new at the police department. Mm Mm-hmm. And so she needs to, like, get someone's file or something, so she kind of is flirting with him a little bit, but then she gets to know him, and she really likes him, because he's really cool and nice Mm -hmm. and funny. And so he's just, like, adorable. Max Greenfield is. Yeah, exactly. And it's fun, too, because it's, like, Mm pre-Schmidt, and Schmidt was adorable once you got to know him, and, like, he's a douche, but it's funny, and he's hilarious, and in this, he's just cute right off the bat, so it's, like, fun. That is fun. So, Yeah. Well, I love it. So go laugh and watch Aziz. You might even cry a little bit. I don't know. And then go cry and watch I Love You Now Die. Yeah, it's total. That's only like three hours. Yeah. Easy peasy. Very easy peasy. And really great conversation topics. Yeah, I'm really excited to discuss these with people. Yeah. So let us know your thoughts. Please and thank you.